Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Navid Mashinshi. And it's getting hot in here. Let's take off all our clothes. I believe that's what the, the song is. Oh, Zach started already. Man, it has been hot. It has been smoky. I tell you what, I wish the white caps. We're on as hot a streak as we're having in BC with the weather. But we decided to stay fully clothed for this episode. Most of us, just glancing down at my wife just now. But anyway, the game against San Jose, another battling point on the road. And we'll be turning our attention to the Canadians women's national team as well. It's a shorter show. I'm confident of that in saying that this week. I think we'll definitely be under two hours. But yeah. Before we get into all that, though, going to kick things off the way we kick off our weekend shows, the gift that keeps on giving, Steve Pander's Christmas gift to Zach and myself. It was a box, if you don't know, of the 2011 MLS Upper Deck Trading Cards. Zach and me are opening a pack a week, which will take us through the whole season, putting together our best teams, and then just seeing what we come up with. So let's get, we'll, we'll rattle through this so it doesn't go on too long for this episode, but let's get our packs open. I'll, I'll go first, Michael. Excellent. I, mine, I want you guys to guess, okay? I okay. have a, a player who in 2010 played in 28 matches, scoring 18 goals with one assist. And I gave you a hint before we started. Wando. Chris Wandelowski. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh, this, oh, this pack. If I if I had this pack earlier, because oh man, I got another guy from your team, Michael. I think. Oh, I'm I'm just actually quickly flicking through mine. I've got a mixed pack. I've got to say. So first up, I've got from DC United. He's a midfielder, BB himself, Branko Boskovic. Oh, I got him like last week. I think. Uh, I have a guy whose new book I haven't read yet. It, it's uh penned or co-written by Brendan Dunlop. Oh, yes. Wayne Rosario. Yeah. Of course, I have his jersey from our, still, our cards. Yeah, he's still in your team, right? I think he is, yes. I'd have to double-check that. I, I've got a legend. Oh, my goodness. More from afterwards than maybe during his playing career. I don't know. Maybe he was a legend during his playing career. I just know him from the stuff he's doing since. In a Shiva, well, in a Kansas City Wiz jersey, 
but it's a Shiva's card. It's defender Jimmy Conrad. Oh, he's in my starting 11 still. Um, my prolific beastly strikers continues with the Washington Freedoms, Abby Wambach. Oh, so I bet that's not a rookie card because that might have been worth a bit with Alex Morgan's. I've got a forward from New England Revolution, Kenny Long Tall Man Sally. Oh, yeah. I think I have him. Uh, I don't have this guy, but I think you do. It's a uh, defend- midfielder from the Columbus crew, Danny O'Rourke. Oh, good old Danny. Cousin of allocation. I don't remember this guy at all. He's a goalkeeper from New York Red Bulls, Buna Kundul. Yeah, he's a goalie. I have that for Dead Bull, yeah. Michael, I, I either this is my first double or I don't have him, but uh, you just got him. Kenny Mansally from New England Revolution. Oh, wow. I don't I think we've both had the same player in a pack. No. Uh, I've got a midfielder from Columbus Crew that, again, I'm not that familiar with. Double E this time. Emmanuel Ekpo. Oh, I got him. Michael, I have someone who you got the last week or the week before. It's an MLS Super Draft uh, card. It's someone we all had extremely high hopes for. Omar Salgado. Oh. oh. Whatever happened to him? What what a pack. Actually, whatever happened to him? Where is he right now? Well, he's playing at, he's playing at El, he's playing at El Paso, but then uh, but then he was going to school or something. I think he might have just retired. Retired? Wow. Oh, wow. I got five five out of six cards were strikers in my pack, and four of those five were people we know well. Well, just as I look up what Omar Salgado is doing here, my last card is. From LA Galaxy, and I it's a name I, I do know, midfielder, Michael Stevens. Oh, yeah, I got that guy too. What a great name, eh? Um, like Omar Salgado is 27. So if he has called it I, a day, I think that he did retire. Be... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he did. yeah, yeah. Wow. 2020 El Paso Locomotive was his last team. Crazy if you think about it. Nackby got drafted before him and. Doesn't actually yeah. say on his Wikipedia page that he's retired, but I th- I think he d- I think he did. Uh, just confirm all those cards were new for me. I don't have uh, Kenny. Wow, it's amazing. You've got yeah. no doubles at all. But I got who's on your team? Dero and Wando. I got to put the. I have a Michael's team page on my book. I got to put them on. Let me dig that out. Okay, so my team at the moment is goalkeeper Nick Romando. My back four, Zarek Valentin, Omar Gonzalez, Marvel Wynn, Leo Gonzalez. Midfield of Dwayne Di Rosario, Jeff Laurentovich and Roger Espinosa. And a front three of Wondo, Kai Kamara and Landon Donovan. Sorry, did you take out Rodney Wallace? I don't think I ever had him in. Oh, I have him on here. Okay. Or maybe I did at one point. Yeah, who, actually, Rodney Wallace, who is signing a yeah. one-day one contract, contract with Portland yeah. Timbers this weekend so that he can retire a timber doing that at the Cascadia Derby match on Sunday. That's actually, let's, before we get in talking about Whitecaps, let's talk about that. The Cascadia Cup is a go yeah. this season, Zach. I saw that. Now that the fans are back and Vancouver is back in Vancouver, that, that's fantastic news. It is. Uh, it, it was good too that they put in the caveats that like should I mean this only happens if there's actually fans and stands and all that kind of stuff. So 
if if something happens, you know, due to restrictions or whatever, it will change yes. again. But um, it's really the way things are going here. That is yeah. very very possible. Yeah. Obviously, down in the states in the VDP, you are anything goes. So. They'll be cramming the fans in. As Mark DeSantis said after the game, when I asked him about Austin coming up on Wednesday, he's like, yeah, if they could put 90,000 in that stadium, I'm sure they would cram them in. And yes, (laughs) they they probably would. But let's get talking uh, about the Whitecaps now. The Whitecaps headed into this one, unbeaten in five. San Jose headed into this one, unbeaten in seven. Both teams, though, a lot of draws in that unbeaten run. Five for San Jose, four for the Whitecaps. And I think you could probably put money there. It was going to be another draw tonight. I don't know if folk would have had it down as nil-nil, but that's how it finished. It it was no score at PayPal Park, as it (laughs) is now known. That's a nice tongue twister. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper at PayPal Park. (laughs) Well, we'll just just go around and get your your quick overall thoughts. We'll start with Navid since you haven't had a chance to chat chat too much yeah. on the show tonight. You were gonna go through for the game, but yeah. wisely decided not to. I think in the end. Yeah, I don't regret that. That's for sure. So I'm kind of glad I didn't make my way down to San Jose, two and a half hours drive from Sacramento. But yeah. uh, watching it, I mean, the fact that I feel like they really put in a shift, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, if you would tell me. Before the game, take a draw away from home. I would take it. And yeah. I mean, coming San Jose, coming off from a win against LAFC, I was expecting more from them, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have, they've struggled in some of the games, but they came into this on the back of a couple of really strong results. Right. And a win in Seattle. But exactly. I mean, credit, credit to, to the Whitecaps. They negated anything that, that they threw at them. And... There was some folk I saw saying that it, it was a boring game and it was a snooze fest. The first mm-hmm. half went according to plan. It was the game plan. But I thought on the whole, it wasn't a bad game. It Not at all. Some from... end-to-end stuff. And especially from the hour mark, the last half hour, I thought it was quite an entertaining match. I'm usually pretty down on MLS and the quality of football. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I think... Anyone who calls that match a boring match, I, I don't, I don't know that they're really into. Like, I don't think they're really into or understand football. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I and I watched the kickoff to three leagues today, uh, two the whole match and one part of the ma- match, and I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I might be watching an MLS match in the evening, as I have been on other occasions, and I thought it was a. I thought it was a really interesting game. I thought the the tactic, the tactical approach from both sides were, were interesting. the the chess match that the chess match that played it on the field. I think I thought was engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't I don't like to use the word entertaining, but I think for those who like to see the game that way, I think it was an entertaining game. If you were actually watching it. Yeah. Um, just because there wasn't goals or... That, that's um, the thing here, though. It's like, oh, it's got, it's got to be goals. Otherwise, it's a boring game. That's not no, the case at all. No. It, it was some really... Uh, to me, it was an engaging match. It was some really interesting football. Um, and some really encouraging... If you're a Whitecap fan or supporter or follower, some really encouraging signs. Maybe the same for San Jose or maybe like, like uh, I think Navi just said, a little bit disappointing, yeah. uh, especially being at home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I, and... After all that said, it wasn't worth driving two and a half hours for, though. Yeah, so, yeah. It, was a, it was a good decision, but right. not, not, not to do that. 
But I, it's just basically, I think that it's something that they needed to do, considering all the injuries they were dealing with. Essentially, if you look at their lineup, they had basically five starters in the lineup, and, and three of them were defenders and goalies. And one of them was a holding midfielder. So really, they only had one attacking player that's a normal regular. Yeah. So it's essentially what they needed to do. They need to get to the 60th minute and see if they could pull something off, steal something. And I think they were effective in doing that. Basically, they uh, the, the San Jose crowd was barely into this game at all. Yeah, there it was, was a a, quite so. a flat atmosphere there. Yeah, so it's exactly mission accomplished there that they made the game boring enough and, and that they could enjoy it and they couldn't get the crowd behind it. Players couldn't get the uh, get that boost from the crowd. So I, I thought they did it perfectly well. Let, let's kick things off by looking at the, the lineup from Vancouver. Now, th- there was enforced changes and guys that just weren't good to go for the whole game and we'll, we'll start with the big one defensively Eric Godoy out again he's got a calf strain he I believe he traveled because they were wanting to see just how it was but obviously he just wasn't wasn't good to go I I don't know if they possibly bought him via PayPal they might have PayPal <laughs> purchase protection more peas. They like their peas. But it's concerning Navid. He's such a good player. He's so crucial to this White Cats back line. But you need him to be on the park. You need him to be playing. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's the leader of the back line. I mean, he is. I hope it's not going to, not going to take too long because, I mean, you definitely need him for the home stretch for the games, the nine home games. Yeah, let's fingers crossed it's not going to be as bad. Do you have concerns, Steve, about his health going forward? Or it's it's concerning because it keeps happening. You're yeah. wondering what's going on, and and so and essentially, in one point, it, it's not overly concerning. If especially if they get the attacking players out there, because they finally have some attack in there, and I think they can work with Ranko. And luckily, they got Florian in there now. So I I, I think it's I don't think it's as concerning because they do have some backup and. But and especially if they have that solid midfield now with Gold there, if Alessandre kind of, kind of gets back into form, so it's not as concerning as it normally would be. Zach, get your thoughts on Godoy. But were you surprised as well that Florian didn't get the run out against his old side, and they went with Andy Rose at the back? Which fair credit, like him and Ranko had a, a great partnership tonight. Uh, yeah, it, it, it did a little bit of once. I thought for sure he was going to come on, and it was only because I think Brown needed to be subbed at the end of the game that he didn't come on. I think he was in contention to be one of those last, uh, they're sorry, to be the last substitute. But when Brown went down, there was Bruno, or, sorry, Bruno's turn, mm-hmm. um, to, to come in. Uh, in terms of him not starting, no, because yeah, I think I starting at center back in this game, I think would have been too quick. Not enough time with the, the people around him, um, but I definitely I did expect him to see him at some point in the game. So I think it was a little bit disappointing, and he's probably a little bit disappointed he didn't get in. Yeah, chance to say bye to the the home fans as well. Yeah, in terms of Godoy, uh, I agree with you all. It's it it's concerning, uh, and and I guess we'll see how long it la- how long it, he's out yeah, for yeah. and how long it lasts. But this is yeah. He's been very unfortunate in his time in Vancouver with injuries, and you just hope that this isn't it doesn't keep him out long because, uh, like I think David said, he he is really like a a leader or the leader back there. So let's talk about the other big omission that that we knew was coming but was confirmed this week. 
Lucas Cavallini, his knee injury is as bad as we kind of feared, although maybe not quite as bad, because he's going to be out for six weeks. It could certainly have been a, a, a lot worse at least six weeks. Hopefully it isn't too much more. It, it does make you wonder how wise it was, Nafid, for him to stay on, and in particular try a bicycle kick. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah, 100%. Um, I think this one is a big blow for, especially I think for MDS and the staff. I think looking forward to the home games, um, I'm sure he was looking forward to put all his the strongest team out, out there yeah. for those nine games to make a really like a to to make a big push. So this is going to be about this is going this is a bad one. Uh, but I think with Brian White, um, I I'm not. I mean, obviously he's not. He doesn't have the quality as of Lucas Cavallini, but I think he's still a decent backup to have. And uh, yeah, disappointing. Know. But I'm not sure. I, yeah, he obviously is not going to bring what Cavallini is going to offer, but uh, it, that's a disappointment, con- that's for sure. Yeah, it's concerning for me, Steve. I mean, he he hasn't looked great in a, in a lot of the matches. Now, obviously, maybe all of a sudden something will click with him and Gold and Caicedo and, and Dahomey. But the little bit that we saw tonight, he just seemed still to be a little bit off the pace. I would maybe prefer Ricketts up there because I think he's got the pace to maybe mm. get on the end of, of some of those balls. But Cava being out is massive. We yeah. finally get the number 10, Steve, exactly. to, to yeah. back him up. And then, and then, he then a nine. your striker goes down. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it really depends on who you want to put on depending on how you what your uh, strategy is overall, your tactics. Um, do you want that PC guy up at the beginning of the game or do you want to save him for the end of the game when the center backs are tired? Um, so it's all depending on that. For me, it's uh, it's kind of weird to say it might work out in the benefit in the long run because Cavallini has uh, played tried to play like a midfielder a lot. So maybe him seeing how the Whitecaps want to play maybe kind of gives him a different view from the sidelines and kind of gets him... And I'm not... I know they said six weeks, but Cavallini is the type of player that can recover quickly, and might it might be actually shorter period. He's not like um, he seems to be a guy that wants to get on the pitch as soon as possible, so he might put the effort in. Yeah. Not put the effort. I'm not. I'm not saying other people aren't putting the effort in to get on the pitch, but he might put that extra effort to get on the pitch. And I think that kind of injury they give it six weeks, but it could be shorter. I was concerned that he was done for the season. I um, was too. Because of the way, especially the way he was kept getting up from the thing. Uh, as Whenever there's non-contact injury, uh, that's always concerning for me because it, it feels like there might be something more to it. Mm-hmm. It's also concerning for Canada, Zach. Not as much as the Whitecaps because at least Canada's got a lot of depth in there and Cava's not the starter with, with Canada. But Laren scored today in yeah. the opening of the Turkish League along with the Tiba. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't... Canada has depth and has options and has different ways that they can play. Obviously, it's a much, this is a much greater concern uh, in the immediate and long term for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, I, I, I thought White actually did quite well today. Obviously, there's maybe one or two things that could have gone better for him or uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but no. there, there was a couple of things that I feel if there was a different player in the position that he was in, things would maybe have gone differently. If I let, let's get let's get to that, which was his chance six minutes in. Yeah. Now, I I don't really fault him for this, but there was a slight slip. But as we'll we'll 
come to later on. In fact, well, let, let's just talk about that now. The pitch tonight was absolutely shocking. Players were slipping all over the pitch from both sides. Do you think it's because they watered, like the, the watering? Well, I, watered asked, extra I asked Mark game? about it after the game, and right. he said it was really hard, and oh. it was short grass, and they'd watered it, so it made it so slippy. And he said it's been like that before down there, so they're maybe going to have to look at different footwear the next time they, they go down there. But it, it was not conducive to good football. I was worried when you bring the likes of Gold and Dahomey on, one guy that's not fully fit, one guy that's coming back off an injury, and you've got players slipping all over the place. Is it the yeah. case is it the case, Michael, where they they just focus on building the stadium and they don't actually worry about what's going on with this playing service? I don't know. It's worrying though to hear Mark saying that it's a really, really hard surface because you yeah. think grass is gonna have a a, a bit more gifted than that, but I I thought that's maybe why they brought the plane in so they could dry the field a little bit. With it. <laughs> yeah. um, I I thought yeah you're right the slippage hurt him because if he had a little bit more power on it he like the the keeper save was like a one handed save so yeah. if that yeah. was a little bit more power that could have got through that hand totally out of the net I'd have an but, interesting dynamic of the game after that I think as well yeah. But but the the I think the key thing on that on that play was the excellent buildup from Ryan Raposo. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk much. about that. Now Raposo got the start tonight. He's not had many chances. When he's come off the bench, a lot of last season, bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, is he MLS quality? Should he go out on loan so he gets the the playing time regularly that I, I feel he needs? He's had some good flashes though this season but tonight him against Mount that was very good tactical play by the Whitecaps Navid because they couldn't handle Raposo's pace and and for that chance six minutes in he did so well he collected it he powered forward a lovely through ball to White and he nearly got on the end of the rebound as well from the save it was just poked away so I mean all in all it was a great move and just part of a, a really good game for Raposo tonight no, to be like, I totally agree with you. Um, I wasn't actually, I, I was never a big supporter of him, to be honest. But today was actually first time I was, I was actually really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really looked decent out there, and um, like you said, usually coming, he comes out of the off the bench and he doesn't do, like, his, he's not too effective, I would say, coming off the bench. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's a regular starter as well either. But no. today, but today he looked. I mean, he did a great job, to be honest. So. Yeah. I think that was a satisfying performance. That was pretty much really all that we can talk about from the first half. It wasn't, I mean, that's not to say, going back to our earlier point, that it was boring. It's just, it was a chess game, as mm-hmm. Zach described it. It's like the defences snuffed out chances. There was just no clear-cut chances. The, the Whitecaps clearly were just trying to get to the, the hour mark. Mark said afterwards, if they were... Up or level at the hour mark, that was when they were going to make those two subs, and they did. They brought on Ryan Gold, they brought on Christian Dahomey, and the immediate spark that, that you saw from them. I, I sent a message in our, our group chat saying, yeah. the Whitecaps going forward, it was so pleasing to watch. It was fast-paced. They looked exciting. It actually felt like some of these other teams that we watch week in, week out in MLS, and we've been saying... Oh, I, I wish the Whitecaps were like that. We look like we're in a different league. 
yeah. that was great transition play, but not even just transition play. They were taking the game to San Jose. They were moving the ball around quickly. Obviously, Gold was a, a big impetus in that. And again, I'm trying to temper the expectations and the excitement. But these little things that we're seeing when he's not fully fit, Zach, are really something to grab onto. Oh, yeah. There's lots of encouraging signs from... Uh, how do you call them? Golden balls? Golden, golden balls. balls. I'm oh. trying to get to catch on. I um, don't know if it will. Golden balls. Golden, golden balls. balls, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think one of the things maybe that's uh, that was encouraging for me from the game today about having him in there or for the 31 minutes plus that he played was I think you're already seeing um, you're already seeing Vancouver's opponent uh, paying uh, specific attention to one important player, which is creating a little bit more space, a little bit more time, a little bit more opportunity for other players, which is something Vancouver hasn't had in a long time, right? Uh, and so I think I think gold is uh, going to be great for what he brings in terms of his his actual contributions of you know his passes and his shooting and his setup play and all that kind of his work rate and all this kinds of things, but. I think you're today. I, I caught glimpses of how he is going to create space and time for others to create, to shoot, um, and I think that's a really exciting thing for Vancouver Whitecaps fans. And and having a player like that on the pitch also lifts your the, the other Whitecaps as well. Right. Yeah. Um. And and they see the talent on the pitch. They they put that extra thing because I saw I noticed today today even before Gall came on their movement off the ball was much better. Uh, oh, they weren't, there wasn't a lot of standing around. They were like moving into space, creating open spots for passes. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that quite a bit beforehand. And when Gold came on, he was even more. Well, well that, that Raposo chance uh, that you created early on in the game, it, it wasn't uh, the craziest run or pass, but it was it was just encouraging to see him make mm -hmm. that the good run and then have have to see the you know have a good vision to make the the through ball pass uh, to to White. And yeah, I agree with you, Steve. We were some really good signs for them today. Yeah. What about you, Naveed? What did, what did you uh, make of the spark when the, the two of them came on? I, I was actually just going to say, like going back to earlier what Zach said about being a chess game, totally agree. I I was really hoping that, I mean, with the two coming off the bench of the 60th minute, that they would have, I mean, San Jose, you could have gotten three points out of this too, I think. Maybe yeah, take a little bit definitely. more risk. You would have thought, I mean, that San Jose would open up more and go for it, but they kind of yeah. didn't. So I was hoping, I mean, and maybe they would have taken a little bit more risk and go for the three points because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, one point is great, but I mean, I mean, I thought they were up, they could have gone three points if they would have yeah. taken a little bit more risk. San Jose, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. right that you say that, but I guess they were maybe worried because they knew with Caicedo and Dahomey on the wings mm -hmm. and Raposo yeah. while we, he had been on. It's like that pace was really troubling them. Right. Despite all those things that we're saying, the best chance in the last half hour and the closest that anyone came in the whole game was San Jose. And it was their big money man that they splashed the gam for, Ibo Bisi. Mm -hmm. Great shot. Great save by Max. Tipped onto the post. And that was the closest either side really came to breaking the, the deadlock. Now, they've put out a lot of money for him. And Zach was stunned by the amount of money that they gave up for him. But as I pointed out, some clubs really don't care about Gammon in this league. It's not yeah. as important to them. 
I mean, how much did you, sorry, how much did you go for anyways? 1.17 1. 1. million. <laughs> like, I, I, did anyone else have to adjust their set? We're like, is that really a $1.167 million gambler? I mean, you're right, Michael. We talked about this with uh, another recent transaction in MLS, which was, uh, who was it that went for? Mark Anthony K. Mark Anthony K. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it's a similar situation, and you're right. Yeah, Colorado, they don't care about GAM. LAFC because they're bringing in all these guys from all over. They want the gam. They want the and, tam. And, and remember, you're getting um, Boti with a very low salary. Um, and and to me, this is a deal too where he signs a new deal and he essentially could become a transfer uh, market uh, in in the winter. He could be sent off to Europe, and and then that way San Jose, like L, uh, Colorado, yeah. get rid of gam, but bring in real money. Which yeah. is what they want. Which is always much better. Yeah. It's like, you, you can't give your wife gam for Christmas. <laughs> I've tried. It's essentially like trading Monopoly money and getting real money in return. <laughs> I saw you it look at her, Michael. Is. I saw you look at her. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's trying to ignore me. That, that's, her, that's her usual, to be fair. I, the, the only other thing to note during the game... San Jose should have won that in stoppage time in the last few seconds. Well, I was going to say the last the last few seconds that should have been, and then another two minutes appeared from somewhere. But Cade Kyle really yeah. had a great chance to win it. But Rusty, yeah, Rusty. fantastic play by Rusty to to come out, put him off. Yeah, and yeah, this the ball ran by. I think because he was like, "Oh, am I going to get tackled or what?" and Yes, San, San Jose will certainly rue that. And I'm pretty sure San Jose is also going to get a mass confrontation fine as well because they were starting to lose it with the referee when... Oh, yeah. Of them. Yeah, when they... Wanda and Lutz. Yeah, Wanda was going absolutely <laughs> crazy. Yeah, Wanda wanted a penalty too, right? For that like, yeah. obvious not penalty. But yes. well, Wanda at the same time was uh, talking to the referee, but he was pushing his teammates away so he doesn't get the confrontation thing. So he was shoving his teammates away while yelling Just at Just let me shout at him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, that, that's some of our thoughts on the game. I'm just going to play a little bit of the post-game audio from Mark DeSantis. I unfortunately missed the start of the, the scrums because I hadn't realised I had my speakers on headphone setting. So <laughs> I wasn't watching the screen. And then I thought, this is starting late. And I looked, I was like, oh, they've already started. <laughs> so here's some of the audio that I can bring you from the gaffer, MDS. Yeah, it, it seemed reminiscent of some past performances where you had, uh, uh, you know, you, you waited for some second half subs to inject some life into a close game. Um, what were your thoughts on on the game and how it changed? It seemed to open up after uh, Ryan came in, of course. Yeah, the game, uh, you, you're right. You're right with that. The game was very, uh, the first half, very, very careful from both teams. Um, there's there's a little bit of history uh, in the intensity of the games between us and, and San Jose. If I go back to that special game at MLS's back and then our game against them in Portland or the game here that there was uh, two sending offs, you know, and um, we knew we had to, to do a good job and be in the game. And um, the little things that we asked the guys tactically to do, they were... They did very well with it. Only the last 15 minutes of the first half that we, for some reason, our, our block um, got a little bit lower and we allowed them to switch uh, a lot of balls uh, to Espinoza. Uh, but I think Javain Brown and, and Jake Nerwinski had a, a fantastic game dealing with that. 
because it's very hard. It's very hard to deal with that. And then in the, the second half, uh, again, a close game. We started the second half well also, and we knew if the minute 60 arrived and the game was 0-0, um, or tied, we would uh, we would do two subs to open up the game. Then it becomes uh, very hard for the heart of the coaches, but very exciting for fans. You know, the game opens up. It's a back and forth one. And uh, unfortunately, I just think that there was some moments that we won the ball in, in the midfield and a decision-making of a pass or a run didn't, didn't go through. But... Uh, you know, again, the uh, the effort, the intensity, the mindset of our guys on the road. That because it's been a while now, uh, since since August of last year that we're on the road, that they they've kept the spirit of fighting and mentality that I I can fault them for for anything. I th I thought tonight was one of the the best defensive performances of the season. The guys seem to cope with everything that, that San Jose threw at them. And I mean, you touched on Javain and Jake, but Jake in particular is looking really good at that left-back position. Jake, um, Jake had a moment with us that uh, he was a little bit in a low and um, he, he wasn't in the, the, the best spot or none of us were in the best spot. And um, he was able to to fight through it. Uh, we were very fair with him in the process. And uh, it's a player we trust, but uh, it's also a player that plays in a position that has a lot of competition. You know, we have Javain, we have Bruno, we have Jake, we have Guti. But today, uh, I felt that both Javain and Jake were incredibly important to deal with what we had to deal in them because they push their wing backs very, very high. So if you picture Salinas and even um, even when they pushed players like uh, Ebobize and, and Chofis and guys in half spaces and uh, we had to shift totally to the opposite side. Uh, I think our back four was incredibly aggressive doing that. Uh, they were aggressive in the offensive marking. Uh, Jake was good reading the, the switch. Javain was good reading the switch. Uh, and it helped the team defend those situations because that's part of the game of San Jose. They invite you to one side, and especially with Espinoza, they invite you to one side. If you cannot win the ball on that side, and if you're not able to lock the press on one side, they look for the switch right away. And you hear Matias all the time on the sideline, switch, switch, switch. And then you need fullbacks that are incredibly aggressive getting across. And I think overall, 90% of the time, I think both of them did it very well. Um, and it's great for the team to have all these options. More out of curiosity, from watching at home, the pitch looked terrible tonight. It seemed so wet, players were just slipping everywhere. The pitch was very hard underneath. Uh, the grass was, was good, but the pitch was a little bit hard under, underneath. And when the pitch is hard and the grass is short and it's wet, more tendency to, to slip. And a lot of the players struggled with it. Uh, and it's not the first time. So maybe if we come back and when we come back here at some point, we need to make sure that we, we learn and maybe the choice of 
of shoes is very in, in cleats is important, but uh, we struggle that in some phases with that. Looking ahead now to Wednesday, I know August's uh, a little bit early in the season to start talking about must-win games, but if you can go home from this trip with five points for, from the three road games, with the next four being at home, it should set you up so nicely for the, the season running. Oh yeah, we you know how we we wanted to win here. Um, we wanted to win in in our last game, uh, and unfortunately, we just got two points out of it. But we feel as a team that we need to keep going. We need to keep pushing. And yes, we're gonna go to Austin to fight for those three points. But we understand also where we're going. We're going to a very hostile place, a place that is new, a place that is always packed, a place that has absolutely no restrictions when it comes to COVID. Um, if the stadium could have had 90,000, maybe there would be 90,000. Uh, so we're going to a tough place where they also think that it's three important points for them. So it's going to be a battle. Um, but again, you know, our effort to get a point in LA, uh, then a point here, and now going to to Austin, we go with a, a certain level of belief and confidence, but also knowing that it will be very, very hard to get the full three points. We're going to need to to do a very good game there also. So the gaffer, Mark DeSantis there. Now, I asked him about the defence and the Whitecaps for me tonight, excellent defensive performance, one of the, the best of the season. And despite adding attacking pieces and everything like that, I've still had a worry about the defence. Can they keep the ball out of the net? And like to be fair, the last couple of weeks, they, they've been putting in a good shift. But tonight in particular, I said earlier, they kind of dealt everything that that I think San Jose threw at them. Jake Narinsky really growing into that, that left-back position. Mark talked there that Jake was at quite a low place a couple of weeks ago. And I think he saw probably the writing on the wall here because Javain's doing well, you've got Bruno Gaspar, and like we joked, he's maybe the third or fourth in the pecking order at, at right-back after like Bikel, Godoy even, but... You guys said that. No, yeah, yeah, you you didn't. So. For once, I didn't say anything bad about somebody. I, I don't mean that bad about him. It's just that oh, there was it's guys. Just an evaluation. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's obviously like he's thought the same, and he was at a low. But they had a good talk, and he's got a whole new positive attitude, and he's looked, he's looked good at, at left back, and like Navid tonight. I know Zach's got a few things to say, so we'll come at him last in this. Tonight, tonight, I thought he was good at, at left-back. Brown, again, at right-back, was excellent. And his injury isn't looking as bad as it maybe did when he came off. Was March it just cramped? He didn't say, but he said it's probably not as bad as it looked, which is a positive. Right. But, I mean, just defensively in the whole, Naveed, that, that was a good performance tonight. Oh, overall, I mean, the whole defensive unit as a team, they defended well. And, uh, I mean, Jake, like you said... Um, I mean, he's got pressure behind his back. That's for sure. I'm sh I'm not sure how long his contract is, but I'm I'm sure with the I think competition. He a new one. 
Oh, he signed a new one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, with the competition he has on, on the right side, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's got the chance now to do well on the left side, and uh, I think so far he's been doing solid. I mean, yeah. satisfying, that's for sure. How long is Guti out for? Don't know. know. He travelled and was oh. on the bench, I believe, tonight. Uh, was he on the bench? No, he, no, wasn't. he wasn't. He, wasn't. No. Oh, he did. He did no. travel down with him. So I, I think Jake was serviceable in his last yeah. game. They did pretty well tonight. I thought he was uh, also serviceable and did really well on the whole. I think at the very end of the game, there was two or three times where uh, was it Fierro? I might be mispronouncing it, but the guy who came, the number seven who replaced their number two right back came mm -hmm. on and mm -hmm. he, he got the better of him a couple of times where the, the final service after Fiero got around him kind of let him down or whatever, but, um, or, or didn't, you know, produce a, you know, a grade a kind of scoring chance. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a little bit concerning, but on the whole, I agree with mm -hmm. you guys. Like he did, he did really well. Uh, someone else I thought looked good tonight, Russell Tiber. I thought he had a really good game. And there was one moment in the first half when he just closed the ball down um, and then won it and then kept it in at the, from going out for a, a goal kick. And I, I just thought he did really, really, really well. That If he could bring that on a more regular basis, maybe we could talk about him as being a, a starter. But in a needs-must situation, this is what he can bring to the team. 100%. Yeah, he's, he's a solid squad player. He's mm -hmm. not going to be your everyday starter, but he can fill in when people are injured and when there's like midweek games and stuff like that. And definitely off the bench when you're, if you're leading in a game, um, he could be a guy that really push, push, pushes the pressure on the attacking players and defends well. I, I, agree, I agree with you, Michael. There was another play in the second half where he hustled back and it was, I don't even think he actually did anything, but the guy knew he was coming and it kind of put the, the guy off and it was, an, I think, an odd man rush. And the guy mm -hmm. made a bad pass that was intercepted, but it was his presence or his approaching presence that caused the play. So yeah, I think, I agree. He had a good game. I will say, uh, and we sort of talked about this as we were messaging before the game, I agree with you. He's a, he can start and play a role every so often. I don't think any of us see him as an everyday starter. My, my, my bigger concern for this game uh, and as we were talking about scores before the game, was that there wasn't just Russell Tybert, you know, uh, coming into the game. It was also, you know, Andy Rose playing at center back, which I thought was over, um, but apparently he's not. Um, but he did well. Yeah, no, yeah. Brian he, Cole had a totally, really good part. He did well. Right there. And, and then, of course, Raposo replacing Dahomey and Cavallini. And, uh, you know, it was it was like there was a – it was a the, the multitude of, of people that uh, – non-starters that were starting that made it feel a little bit – a little bit questionable for me, but I agree with you. Uh, Rose, to his credit, again partnered well with Ranko and and kept a clean sheet. Ultra clean sheet. Ultra clean. Ultra yes. clean. <laughs> yeah, this was a stadium where Max put in that MLS performance. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. He, yeah. I didn't have, to do, didn't have to, to do sixteen tonight, but that's okay. So <laughs> two points from two road games. They can make it five if they can get that win in Austin on Wednesday night. Now, as we heard from MDS there, something I hadn't really thought about because I'm just focusing solely on the Whitecaps. I, I know it's just August. It's early to be talking about must-win games, but this is surely a must-win game for Vancouver. But as MDS said, Austin will also be looking at it like that. We play Austin twice in the next couple of weeks, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, oh, it's two must-win games. You've got to take six points from that. Austin, who are also still in touch with the playoff places, 
we'll also be looking at those games and thinking, well, that's six points we could possibly get from a, a team that's beside us in the standings. The, the draw tonight moved the Whitecaps off the bottom of the standings, so they're one point above Austin now. The slow rise is coming. <laughs> but I, I don't know what to, to make from, from this game on Wednesday. Austin, they've impressed at times. They've been in a bit of a slump of late. They've got that that home crowd roaring them on. They've got that great stadium and the great atmosphere there and the, the lights go out and it's all luminous and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, I mean, that's going to be an experience for them. Let's quickly go around. We'll start with Navid. What are you expecting from Wednesday? What kind of tinkering would you do? And are you confident the, the Caps can get one, three points from this? Or do you think Austin might have this? Um, to be honest, if I were them, I would go with the attitude of, they have nothing to lose. I mean, they have nine home games coming up after this. They should just go for it and just literally just go for the three points. I mean, Austin is actually the one they have to win it for sure. I mean, they're playing home. Yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, playing Vancouver. I mean, they're definitely planning on having those three points. In terms of changes, I mean, to be honest, I kind of lost the track because I feel like MDS makes so many changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I don't even know what's what's next. I mean, um, it could be anything at this. It could point. be anything at this point. Uh, I I mean, maybe see goal play a half at least. I mean, last time he played mm. ten ten minutes, now half an hour. Maybe he gives him a half. Like he did half, look maybe. a bit gassed. I thought yeah. there was that. There was a shot of him on the screen in the eighty-second minute, and I thought, "Oh, he's yeah. going out of his ass here." It's like he was. Yeah, actually, he's and... not going to risk it. He's not going to risk it until no. like the home games. That's actually, he's and in that heat and humidity and stuff. Oh, as well. right, right. No, that makes sense. Uh, but I mean, he's probably got. He's probably going to get another half an hour. That's for sure. Um, but other than that, I mean. In terms of changes, maybe he's going to put Flo in just for him to get a few minutes in as well. Um, I mean, I wouldn't make any changes in terms of the back four because, I mean, overall defensively, they look great like today. So I'm not sure whether he's going to make any changes in the back line. But, um, yeah, Dahomey, I don't know how ready he is to start. Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, for for Uh, me, Steve, if he's good to go, I think you have to start him. Um, if you can slide in a couple started if they're good to go if there's any kind of question that they could get injured I think you save them because you are like uh, um, close to heading home right? and, and, and playing at, at your first home game in like two years in front of fans or almost two years or whatever it is um, so I think you do I think, but I think you do put, try to put the healthiest because before these two games I thought that they had a better chance against Austin than they get, had against San Jose um, Austin had to me. They have not impressed that to me at all. Um, the, the their last game they won three two, but prior to that they were getting shut out a lot, like multiple games in a row. Like uh, from July first, that was their second game where they scored a goal. That's how. And before that, they were not scoring goals either. So they get they get shut down quite a bit. Now this might be the game where they start to score a, uh, like a few goals in, uh, but like last Saturday they were shut out against Dallas. So I, I, I think this is the game that they could win. They could break, break that winless streak and try to get a win before heading home. And that would be ideal for them as well because then you have the momentum going into your home game, home stadium. I'll be amazing buzz, Zach, to, to get to BC Place on the back of a win, five points from a, a three-game road trip. What are you expecting from Wednesday's game? 
Yeah, you, I mean, you guys make a lot of good points. I think uh, I I haven't I haven't watched uh, all of Austin's matches or highlights this year, but I've seen a few games at, at their stadium that makes it look intimidating and mm-hmm. makes it look like they, they they play well there. So maybe I haven't seen enough of the bad ones, Steve, and enough of the ones where they they haven't been scoring. Well, I I, but, I haven't to be honest, I haven't seen very much. But when you look at their stats and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, there's all I see is zeros everywhere, mm-hmm. and like there. There's been a lot of huff and not a lot of puff. Le, it's like, like the final third's been letting them down. Yeah, July July first they scored four goals against Portland, and then they uh, it was until August fourth they scored another goal goal at home. They they scored a goal against against Tigers, um, but I think FC it was the, Tigers. No, <laughs> I was gonna say Tigers. No, no, no. Uh, the the Mexican the Mexican side. Oh, Tigers. Tigers. Yeah, um, but they but I think that was a friendly, and they lost three that one three one. But b- between July first and August fourth, that they were shut out in multiple games. Yeah. So yeah. to me, that's why I'm not overly impressed with what they. Look I like. guess I the the last game or the second to last game I watched them play was I think that Portland game where they were just like lights out. Yeah, and that, that and, and the lights went out like I think four times. So um in that <laughs> game, but. Uh, I, I think, I, well, yeah, I think like like Navid said, Austin is going to go for it. Like yeah, probably even more so than San Jose did tonight. Um, in well, that wouldn't be hard, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, there are there are a lot of good questions about what this Mark DeSantis will do in terms of the starting the starting eleven. Um, I think who is fully fit obviously plays a huge role. I agree I with you guys. Probably that I think see Kyle back come back in, and this is in the yeah. doghouse. I think we should yeah. stop asking who MDS is going to put on a starting eleven and ask who the medical staff is going to put on. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, it's getting true. that way. Right. I, I agree. I agree with you guys about Gold probably only playing about thirty, um, but because they really want him to be to play as much as possible the twenty five, the twenty first. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll give my prediction for the game here. I, I think it's going to be one nil White Caps with Gold getting the winner in Austin. Yes. Are you? Are you? Is this your? You work for the marketing department now, or yes. Um, get I, your tickets afdn.ca uh, there's a donation button I'm sure it'll go to tickets <laughs> um, but uh, the interesting part for me is uh, oh, two things, one I don't think we mentioned this much uh, I thought uh, J- uh, Jingles played yes. respectively well today I was wanting him to score so I could have Jingles all the way as my headline or something but yeah. So I could see him. I could see him uh, maintaining his place in midfield, and, and yeah, being joined by someone like Caillou in place of maybe Rusty. But um, and Be- if Bikel's okay, I just had know? this uh, this marketing thing because they're sponsored by Bell Jingle Bell. <laughs> How have they not gone for that marketing opportunity? Because he hasn't played enough. Well, uh, or, or has scored yet. A big and he hasn't. And he hasn't been in Canada that much either. Yeah. But, oh, they but can the, do it going forward. The bigger thing for me is, I mean, Dahomey, obviously, if he's fit and they think he's wise, he'll, I think he'll start. But the, what's going to happen is at the back? Does MDS say, yeah, we if Brown's okay, we got a clean sheet. I'm going to run. I'm going to run out the same group, or or what happens there? Do we they keep Godoy for the home game? Uh, you know, is Gutierrez ready to go? Like that's where I think the the biggest questions are going to be is what happens with that back line, especially coming off such a positive performance. But I, I think in the end, I think it's going to be kind of like a, a two one ish kind of Austin Austin win. Uh, the ideal. Yeah, I let me oh. say I think it's going to be. I agree with you, Zach. Two one 
Scoots is going to score the winner. Do we? <laughs> yeah. He's been playing terrible. <laughs> um, I got it. Well, I'll I'll go totally marketing, and I'll go one nil with uh, Vite getting in, uh, taken down in a foul late in the game. Is he going to be available? He's definitely going to be here. <laughs> I, I'm doing a hypothetical prediction here. Uh, Vite gets taken down <laughs> at the, for a penalty. Gold sends it in on a free kick, and uh, Florin uh, scores it on. Yeah. A all you three new additions combined for the goal. Steve, you would fit in well at the Whitecaps marketing. Marketing. <laughs> it's hypothetically okay, all based fine, on winning. Fine, so, I'll, do, I'll do a new edition. Gashbar gets taken down. Instead of oh, there you go. Oh, Basically go. a new edition. Oh, yeah, he could come in too if he's fit. Yeah, that would th- be there's every chance, yeah. But that is it for our Whitecaps chat. Uh, we are just going to do a two-part show in this episode. We're going to be turning our attentions to the Canadian women's national team again for the next part. And we'll be back with that after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for August from Sacramento, California, Destroy Boys. And that is another one of their new songs, a single taken from their forthcoming album, Open Mouth, Open Heart, that gets released on October 8th. That was a song called Drink. And I'm sure we all need to have a a drink to keep ourselves nice and cool with the hot weather that we've we've been having the last few days. Unbearable, but hopefully cooler times are ahead. And hopefully the whitecap season won't be driving us to drink by the end of it. Keeping my fingers crossed for that. Not as optimistic on that as the, the weather cooling down though, I have to say. But we're not talking whitecaps in this part. We're not talking MLS. That's all done and dusted for this episode. For the rest of the show, we're going to be turning our attentions to the Canadian women's national team. Now, we had a a really good debate on the last episode just about what the future of club soccer is in Canada for, for the women's team. We'll come back a little bit more to that after we bring you this episode's feature interview. So the players and coaching staff all headed back to Canada, did some media interviews and and did the rounds. So I got a chance to to sit down with Adam Day, one of the assistant coaches of the Canadian women's national team, former Whitecaps academy coach and also current head coach of the Capilano College Blues and FC Tigers Vancouver. He's also the technical director out at Guildford Soccer Club. And he's a man that I've known for for many a year. I always enjoy chatting to to Adam. 
So I thought it would be great to, to get a little bit of a insight from one of the coaching staff as to just what this whole Olympics experience was like. What was it like to be in the bubble? What was the whole Olympic village like? To talk us through the games as well, just how it was feeling on the bench, watching those dramatic games play out, the penalty shootouts, the win over the US, and of course the, the gold medal game as well. So go make yourself your hot beverage of choice, grab your favourite biscuit, sit back and enjoy our chat with Canadian Women's National Team Assistant Coach, Adam Day. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby! So delighted now to be joined by, I was going to say a gold medal winner, but I just found out this morning you didn't actually get a gold medal, but <laughs> welcome to the show, the Canadian Women's National Team Assistant Coach, Adam Day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you here and to chat to you again. So yeah, I just found out this morning when I read the article that was in the Surrey newspaper that you you didn't get a gold medal from this. Yeah, that's right. Um, we we did know that actually going into the tournament. Um, I, I guess it's like an it's an Olympic uh, uh, thing that happens, and uh, you know I think it was it was uh, a kind of wait and see moment if we would get a medal, and then we'd worry about it then. So it was only really once we uh, saw the medal, felt the medal, that we was oh. like, yeah, we really want a medal. But um, yeah, it is what it is. I, I guess it's because. Other coaches in other sports would say, well, we want a medal then, and why have we not got one as an athletics coach? Or I'd just never thought about that before, but I mean, that certainly doesn't temper the achievement and everything that's done. So I, I just want to chat to you a little bit about the whole experience from, from start to finish. Now, I actually did not know that you were involved with the national team until I saw the, like, Colin Miller was taking over uh, FC Tigers because you were going away to the Olympics. Yeah. So when when did you start to get involved with, with all of this? Yeah, um, Bev called me just before Christmas last year and, and just said there might be something uh, opening. Would you be interested? And and I said, yeah. And then, you know, maybe the turn of the new year, we sort of agreed on sort of a role to come in. So... February was the first camp we went to She Believes in Orlando. Um, so I was a part of that uh, that camp there. And that's my first involvement with the team. Um, and then obviously, subsequently from there, we we went to the UK in April, Spain in June, then, it, then into the Olympics. So the agreement with with Bev was just come in as the, you know, support staff, um, get on the pitch with the players and and then we'll get up to the end of the Olympics and, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So it's been, you know, six seven months i guess now of of being involved with the program i was on a, a call this morning with bev and one of the journalists asked her does she think about the fact that if the olympics had gone ahead last year her she would like she wouldn't be involved in it probably and i guess you maybe wouldn't have been either so it's like yeah. has that crossed your mind at all yeah absolutely i mean you look at the timing of everything and, you know, arguably timing is everything. And uh, yeah, sort of where Bev was uh, this time last year and her role and, and myself, um, you know, we all could have been off in, in different areas and yeah, you just, you just never know in this game, do you? And then obviously Bev coming into the role and, and really, you know, reaching out of the blue really, because I, I hadn't, um, 
you know, I'd stayed in touch with Bev over the last several years, but, you know, our, our close interaction was was when Bev was previously with the youth teams and I was with the the, the Whitecaps Rex programme. So it's just funny how it's all fall into place, the delay, um, the lead-in, you know, probably the shortest lead-in from a, from a staff ever into the Olympics in terms yeah. of the time frame. And, uh, you know, we've been very lucky that we've obviously been able to deliver. With everything that's gone on last year, this year, the delay, the, there was a lot of calls before the tournament. People in Japan didn't seem to want the Olympics to go ahead. I mean, it all went off relatively well. I mean, I know there was a few hundred cases, but I mean, on our side, everything seems to have gone off well with Canada. Were you apprehensive about going? Did you have worries about what it was going to be like when you got there? Was there COVID concerns? No, not not from our end. Like since February, you know, we have been in a very strict bubble when we've gone away. Uh, the testing before we travel, uh, very important. When you know, when we arrive, at the various camps that we've that we've been at, we've been tested every single day, every second day. Um, you know, the protocols. Even when the world around us was starting to loosen up in our own bubble, we were very very strict. So we'd we'd lived that life for. Uh, three or four camps so we knew it wasn't going to be much different for us going to Japan we'd obviously heard that uh, you know they was in quite strict protocols themselves as a country I think they was in a state of emergency while it was going on um, so when we got to Japan you know there was no more apprehension than what there would have been again on any other trips and almost we were kind of experienced at doing this now so we knew what to expect and yeah there, there, there was no qualms certainly from my end or anyone else I've spoken to about safety concerns or, or any of that. It was, it was very professionally done internally and externally when we travel. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the games and the action and, and winning the gold in a sec, but like the whole Olympic experience for you, obviously it's been a little bit different because you were in a bubble. You couldn't go and enjoy the country. You couldn't, I guess, go and watch any of the other events and stuff. How was that whole experience for you, just being with, with that that one group? And did that kind of help really maybe get the, the group bonding together and just really more focused? Yeah, I, I, I think a couple of parts to that. Um, you know, you're right. We didn't get to, to sort of have the downtime, the touristy stuff, the, you know, see the beautiful things around us. Um, we were very much confined to the hotel the bus, the training pitch, airport, like it was, it was very, um, very repetitive in that standpoint. Um, I, I do think that some of it helped um, kind of keep that togetherness. And I have to say, coming into the group since January, there is a real unique togetherness with this group. Uh, it seems like all the players really look forward to getting into camp with the national team. And so I think the, the, the big, challenge really was to to keep the players you know occupied away from the game um and you know we've done a we've done a good job with that of keeping the camaraderie in the spirit and and distractions away from it because it was because it was so restricted at times you had nothing but time to think on the game the matches the training the 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 tactical nuances so it was just you know trying to get that balance of them being able to switch off when they couldn't go for a walk. They couldn't go and grab a coffee. They couldn't, you know, it was very much in-house. I heard there was like Mario Kart competitions and the, the coaching staff, Bev was talking about that this morning. Yeah, and 
I did all right. I, I got to the semi-finals, but uh, yeah, it, it actually was, you know, I, one day I saw Desi, Desiree Scott had it. And I said, just said to Desi, I said, we should get a tournament going. And, uh, and, and I think it really, it really got everyone into it. You know, staff was in it and the, and the players were into it. And, and I remember at one point, you know, we was, uh, we was talking about the semifinals of the Mario Kart competition in the same sentence we was talking about the semifinals against the USA. So <laughs> I, I think it was a real, uh, real positive distraction for the players. And, uh, yeah, we all had a good laugh with it. And I don't think any of the staff made the final in the end, but the players had a good laugh with it. So going into to this tournament, it, the, the talk had always been to change the, the colour of the medal. That was the, the big thing that everyone was talking about. Back-to-back bronzes was a phenomenal achievement. It had kind of felt to me from the outside looking in, and I, I'm one of these people that I mainly pay attention during the Olympics and the World Cup, I'll, I'll be honest with that. But it did seem like the rest of the world was kind of catching up some yeah. countries like England, for example, were maybe overtaking Canada a little bit. But the belief was always there that, that you could do better that than bronze. What do you feel has kind of taken this group to the next level? Is it Bev? Is it a combination of things? Yeah, I mean, Bev was very, very clear coming in with changing the colour in the medal and, you know, challenged the players of, of what that, not only meant to the staff, but meant what it meant to the players and what they wanted to achieve. And I remember very early on, some of the players like, you know, it's it's time to stop talking and we need to make this happen. Um, you know, the back-to-back bronze is an amazing achievement in itself. It's unbelievable consistency. Um, but they, the players wanted more uh, and Bev felt they could get more. And, uh, and it was really then just trying to sort of, you know, find comb through those details of how we're going to make it happen collectively. And um, obviously it, it's gone unbelievably well after that. Um, what got them there, uh, an amazing togetherness, you know, really the group is connected. There was, I, I felt in the end, there was a perfect balance and blend of youth and experience. You had, you know, the senior players that have been there and done it and were able to call on some brilliant, you know, past experiences with the team. You had the little cluster of players in the, the mid twenties range that good experience. Some of them have been involved in it, um, but still, you know, mid careers. And then you had the exuberance of the youth that you know bringing that extra energy and zest, but also looking up to the, the people in and out. So I felt like we had a really good blend, um, and and they got on really well. And you know, never pro- well, fingers crossed, never will we see such protocols. Uh, in the yeah. sporting world and they they were thrusted on each other for six weeks like no room to breathe and everybody was just really calm and you know great emotional control through all of it and uh and I think that's what 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 got us through in the end you know going into the group games I, I think everyone thought it was almost a formality you'd get through the group it's just where you were going to finish yeah because I mean it was tough games but with potentially three going through. I mean, I think you always knew that, that Canada were going to go through. Having no fans in the stadium may have helped a little bit, I guess, against Japan, because you know what it's like when there's yeah. a home crowd doing it. But th- those first games, not just in Canada's group, but when you saw that the US had lost as well, it kind of, to me, that's when I kind of thought, you know what, this is a wide open tournament. Is that Did the mood in the, the group change at all? when you knew that the US had lost the first game and it's like, well, maybe they're not unbeatable. 
Yeah, I I think so. And 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 straight away, like I think that equally turned to, you know, Sweden looked really good. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, side too. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, I think the first game, like, there's always that first game nerves because you know you it's it's maybe not you have to win it, but you don't want to lose that first game. Uh, and going into the host uh, nation, and they were a really good side. Japan, really good side. Perhaps they just don't have some of the the physical power to, to make the difference at either end of the field. But um, we were a little disappointed with a point, but, you know, when we reflected on it to go, you know what, it's not a bad point. Uh, host nation, first game points on the board. We always felt that Chile was the game to get the three points on the board. You know, we knew kind of four points would probably take us through anyway. And then, as you said, it's, are we finishing first, second and third? And, then we got on to the, the GB game and, you know, there were so many variables that could happen with that. And Well, yeah, because no one really knows what to expect when it's a mishmash like that. No, no. And uh, I, I'd watched GB a couple of times, you know, video and live uh, when I was there. And, and they were a good side, really good side as well. So I think we went into that game wanting to win, but again, making sure that we didn't get beat and, and keep the sort of unbeaten run going. And, and in the end, I mean, it was quite unfortunate to concede, even though probably a draw was a fair result. Um, and I think that was the game for us that, you know, we looked on the bench and how well they were celebrating the equaliser. And I think that was the moment that we thought, well, hold on a minute. I don't think people really enjoy playing against us now. And uh, and and so, they, yeah, we get out the group stage unbeaten, which was which was a great achievement in itself. We didn't win the group, um, but we were happy with, with obviously what we got on the board. Going into the the tournament, one of the big questions was like we everyone saw the defence was so solid. You weren't giving goals up in these friendlies. It was just where the goals were going to come from. If Christine wasn't scoring, who was going to step up? You'd played Brazil in the She Believes Cup, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, and it's like that was another close game. So yeah. when it was the quarterfinals, you must have expected that. Like one goal would have won it, and in the end, of course, it obviously went to spot kicks. But that was always going to be a tense game. Yeah, we saw them in she believes, and then we played them in Spain just before, and that was a. Uh, I have to say, it was a probably my most enjoyable game uh, up until the Olympics. It was nil nil, but it was it was a real quality, intense game. So we knew that that was going to be, you know, a real fifty fifty throw up that one, and you know we'd spent a lot of time out in the knockout stages uh, if you want to have a chance of winning the tournament and it was a good game back and forth very tight exactly as you said you know maybe one goal is going to win it here or there um, and, and then it went all the way extra time and penalties and, and very I say fortunate but like I said we'd, we'd worked and practiced a lot on penalties and having the players feel really focused stepping up to take it and uh, we got the job done on, on, on penalties in the quarterfinal so it was uh, then obviously delighted we knew that we were playing for a medal yeah. uh, somewhere, which was then took a little bit of the pressure off um, after that quarterfinal game because we knew we had two bites of the cherry to to, to get a medal. And of course, the big ghost has always been the the US in the the tight. I've been here since two thousand seven, and it's like that's always been John Herdman always spoke about that was what he wanted. And I think if you sat and asked him, his biggest regret is that he never. Probably, well, I guess probably didn't win a gold, but after that, probably that he didn't beat the 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 US in any of the games. This from all like previous games, I haven't 
I know what happened in 2012, everything like that. But even with that, I've always thought the US were going to get the upper hand. This one felt wide open, though. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, you know, we saw them in She Believes again in February. And, I mean, we was quite a, a, a depleted squad in February. And I think they had had a camp before us. And we were we were brilliant against them. And, you know, it was 1-0. They, it was kind of a second phase off a, a corner, I think it was. They got the goal. And we, we was... We was very proud of the performance, but also a little bit disappointed that we had them. We had some big chances in that game. And again, although probably they had the better chances, uh, sorry, more chances, we had the better chances. Coming into this one, there was a there was an eerie confidence and calmness around us. Like there wasn't the usual panicking. Like we knew the tensions were going to be high because it is the US, but um, you know, maybe it was the Mario Kart competition. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, we were calm. The players were calm. The staff was calm. Again, we'd been to to watch the US live in the stadium, and, and we felt like there were certain areas that we could get at them. Uh, and we had a lot of trust in the back line, uh, and obviously the ability to to keep clean sheets. So we went into that game with a quiet confidence, and and look, they they controlled large portions of of that game, but. We defended sort of doggedly. We we got lucky where we needed to, but showed great resilience at the same time. And and really, we're just waiting for that one moment to happen. And and it did. And uh, not to say it was a perfect game plan, but we, we knew that was the type of performance that it needed to be to beat them. And uh, and, and yeah, I think in the end, it was it was probably deserved because yeah, it was kind of, like after the penalty, I thought Canada they saw the game out well. Obviously, there's going to be pressure, but I thought Canada saw it out really well in the end. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agreed. And you know, there wasn't for me there wasn't uh, too many moments in that game where I thought we're, we're really under the cosh here. Like we're under pressure at times, but in any level, you've got to ride those moments of being under pressure and that's arguably what separates the top teams anyway. Um, and then when you have your moment, you make it count and that's exactly how it went. So yeah, I think it was a real confident performance from the team. Yeah. You saw what it meant to everyone as well. And I may as well talk about Jesse Fleming now. Nerves are steel to take that spot kick. It's like, yeah. I mean, what was what was going through your mind as you stepped up to take that? Yeah, again, and you know, the staff had spoken quite a bit on on uh, not just you know penalty shootouts, but penalty takers, and again, spent a bit of time in training on it. And uh, you know, Michael Norris, who's, who's kind of heading up the, the set piece side of things, uh, really stuck his hat on Jesse and said, "I I feel good with Jesse's ready, and we've we'd watched the score, you know." a fair amount in, in training. So there was an air of confidence with that as well, but you know, what's riding on it and the pressure and the, the magnitude of the game. So, but it, it was an excellent penalty. It was fantastic. I mean, unsavable really. So yeah, absolute credit to Jess for stepping up and slotting it away. So into the final, you know, you've already achieved your first goal. So you've improved the color of the medal. Did that take the pressure off you a little bit? And also, I, th- I think to many people, Sweden were probably the favourites going into that final. So d- did that ease the pressure a, a bit on you? I think so. Um, you know, I know Bev would have spoke to this and it was very clear and, and Bev was very clear of changing the colour of the medal. And it was and it was put to the players, look, you've done that. You've created history because we know we're guaranteed a silver medal. Um, but do you want more? 
and you know and of course everyone was like yeah like this is this is an opportunity to play for a gold medal we we knew how good sweden were i felt sweden were the best team in the tournament uh again i'd watched them i thought they were very very well organized very dangerous on the counter attack dangerous from set pieces you know all the things that you kind of see in international football um but let's let's live the moment let's try and give it we we literally and we said this we had nothing to lose and we have everything to gain mm-hmm. so you know let's make sure we we give it our best shot and you know it was under a lot of pressure in that first half um and we and we rode probably the pressure well enough you know i think it was important to get to 1-0 at uh, at half time because it wasn't too much of a uphill challenge at that point and and then bev you know, very simply ask the players, look, this is another challenge here. It's the first time we've gone down. Um, how do you want to respond? And uh, and I f- actually, I thought for 25 minutes in the second half was probably our best yeah. showing in the tournament. Um, really good, really dangerous. Put them on the, the back foot a little bit. Uh, and, and then I think when the goal goes in, then you start to see people feel, hold on a minute, we could, we could win gold here. So, um, yeah, like extra time as little bit back and forth you get to penalties and and even that itself was drama yeah you know? I mean, it, after the equaliser though it, it got a bit nervy I, I didn't watch it live I thought I've PVR'd it I hadn't, didn't know the score when I woke up so after it got to 1-1 I couldn't watch anymore <laughs> so I was fast forwarding because in my head I thought this is going to penalties yeah I, I just did not see it not and then it got to penalties and then I, I started playing it again when the three penalties were missed, I'll be honest, I thought that's that's it. Now, yeah. obviously, you can't say that because you, you <laughs> fully believed in the team. But, I mean, it must have been so nervous. Just yeah. everyone, you, you know you've missed three penalties in a row. It's all of a sudden it's up to Steph to come up with a huge save. Yeah. She did, and then it just, the momentum swung again. Absolutely. I, I mean, again, we was, we was very confident with penalties and the fact that we'd had uh, a positive outcome against Brazil. I think there was, again, a small air of confidence that, OK, we've been in one, we've won one. Um, we're OK with it. Go into penalties. Um, the first miss, you won it up. You think it's going to be easy. That's it. We've got it. And then, you know, three misses. I mean, I, I'll try and rack my brain here, but I can't remember too many penalty shootouts that that you miss three and you end up, you know, taking yeah. it. And uh, I, I can, honestly... What my head was, because I, I thought, well, that's it. And I went, at least it's more than one that's missed yeah. because they'll get a little bit of consolation. But it's yeah. one person. You you know, as an English person, yeah. <laughs> it's it must be so horrible. But I was like, oh. But then I... I it's just yeah. it was amazing after that. I had, I had a real funny feeling when, you know, the captain stepped up to... to slot it away and win it. I just felt, I don't think she's going to score here. She looked nervous. Yeah. And obviously over the bar and okay, we've got a lifeline. We still, we still need to score to, to stay in it. Um, and I think that was Deanne Rose's penalty, which was top corner. Uh, and, and for me, once that went in, I'm like, that's, that's got to turn the tables on, on this one. And then obviously Steph makes another great save and, yeah. and Julia steps up. And so then you, then you started to feel like the writing's on the wall here. This is, this is ours, you know, watching Steph in that shootout, she had a smile on her face the whole time. And I've watched a couple of shootouts and there was one in Copa America where I can't remember what keeper it was. He was just talking, trash talking the yeah. whole time, but she was just kind of smiling. And I thought that's off putting. 
Yeah. Surely to the person taking the penalty, because it's like, oh, she's like super confident. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, has it sunk in yet? Just what what you've achieved? I, I don't think truly. Um, you know, I've I've I said this a couple of times. I've said it to the staff, like when you're in the the changing rooms, the football environments, you know, and and often when you when you get to win something, you know, the the obvious reaction is, well, we want to be in this again and we want to win it again and back to back and win the world cup but i was just trying to say like let's also enjoy this like we don't know you never know in football what the future holds and this is an unbelievable achievement it's a historic achievement um that it cannot be beaten it can only be equaled exactly and, and I just said, you know, let's not take this for granted. Uh, I still think we was walking in a daze for 24 hours or so. Like, did we just win gold, you know? And uh, and then we've all come back respectively. And I think, you know, even when we're, we're speaking behind the scenes, I, I still think there's an element of, like, did that happen? Of Did we just win the gold? And then you see, you know, the reaction back home and friends and family and whatnot. So I don't know if it has sunk in. I don't know if it ever will sink in the magnitude of what it is because you know as professionals you just get in that mode of then thinking about the next thing and and all the rest of it but yeah it's an amazing achievement from the players and and all the staff and and the technical team as well that uh you know this this could be the greatest thing we we achieve um hopefully there's many more yeah. successes to have um but let's not forget this is a, this is an olympic gold medal you know and i know in the football world Perhaps the World Cup, uh, you know, is 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 the pinnacle for some. But in the sporting world, an Olympic gold medal is the pinnacle of sport. And uh, well, in the women's uh, game, you've really yeah. you've only got the two things, and there's probably a lot more eyes on the Olympics than there yeah. is in the women's World Cup. That's right. So you know, let's not we don't don't have to be uh, you know big headed about it and arrogant about it, but also be really proud of what's happened because yeah, this don't is be like go US. down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But this is going to go down in the history books and, you know, we can we can all sort of be very proud of of that achievement. So, yeah, whether it sinks in or not, I, I don't I don't know, but it's a great feeling. So, I mean, this was a question Bev was asked today. It's like, what next for, for everyone? Now, for, for you, for anyone that doesn't know, I first knew Adam. Some of you will, will know Adam from when we've covered him when he was with the Whitecaps and the Academy and with the under-16s, 17s team. But... You juggle a lot of balls and you wear a lot yeah. of hats at the moment. I yeah. mean, hi, is it about five coaching, head coaching roles and a technical director? Yeah, and... probably something around that, yeah. So for, for you, like, what's next? Are you still involved with the, the women's programme for the next cycle going into the, the World Cup, as, as far as you know, anyway? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the original conversation with Bev was let's just get through to the to the end of the Olympics and, and we'll reassess there. Um, we had a good conversation when we was in LA just before we headed to Japan. And, you know, I just said, I've, I've been really happy to, to be involved in it. And I think Bev was, was equally as happy with my involvement. So we just said we would, we would speak after the Olympics, obviously we'll let everything digest and, and, and go from there. But yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed working with the players, working with the staff, the whole environment, regardless of, of, you know winning the the medal or not it's been a really good experience and and for me to reconnect with high performance uh players again i've I've really enjoyed being in that environment where 
the pressure does count a little bit and um and I, and I love working in those settings so yeah we'll see um certainly there's a keenness from, from my side but you know we'll see what unfolds obviously in football yeah i mean winning a gold is obviously going to put some of the the women in the shop window there's going to be a lot of interest from clubs but coaches as well because i'm sure bev's now going to be high on a, a lot of clubs lists never mind the the international setup and with the game growing over in england and money getting plowed into the game over there which kind of brings me to, to the next thing about what's next, because in our last episode, we had a, a debate about what's next for the, the women's game at club level. Now, yep. you're involved with, with Guildford in yep. Surrey, yep. and they've got a women's programme. The Whitecaps, you've been involved with that, and the yep. women's side, the Rex Elite. FC Tigers, you're the head coach there. They're going to be having a, a women's team going into to some league. We don't know what's happening with that, but they, they've got the team just now that was in the PCSL. Yep. You're at Cap College as well, and they've got the women's team. But for so long here, there's been women that come out of college and there's not really a lot of opportunities. And we had it on the men's side for years. There was a whole yep. lost generation that if they didn't want to go to Europe, they'd know where to play. They've yep. now got the CPL. What would you like to see happen, just from a personal point of view? Would it be to start off with one, maybe two NWSL teams? Or do you feel that the landscape is there to support a domestic league for, for women now in Canada? Yeah, I think uh, and, and look, we know that the Whitecaps have, have had a, a big involvement with the, the women's teams in the past. Uh, and, and I know there's always been a desire from the club to continue that on. Um, I think this is the time to ask questions. Um, I think there has to be there has to be a team in the NWSL as a minimum, um, because you're right, you know, where the men had to wait for the CPL, that the, the the female players now it's it's university and, and then what and obviously you have some trickling into professional clubs now which is brilliant but we just need we need more of that um we need a team competing in the nwsl maybe two teams you know competing in there to give a bigger pool of players an opportunity to play and continue to to be ready um i think the objective has to be to get a women's league a professional women's league in the country it's always baby steps you know it took a long time for the men's to get there so it just needs to happen on the on the female side because you touched on it earlier I, i've witnessed certainly in the uk in the last 10 years the shift towards women's football has been huge and the, the difference being is all of these top clubs have the infrastructure that their men's programming has had and you know, and rightly so, pressure has been put on those clubs to have a women's programme. Well, they just come and drop the women's programme into these unbelievable infrastructures. You know, the players at Man City are at Man City. They're rubbing shoulders with Pep Guardiola and the men's squad. The Arsenal players are at Colney. They're doing the same. And so you get all that Paris Saint-Germain, like they're all doing it. And I think not, not just, you know, Canadian football, but North America, we have to be very cognizant of that, that 15 years from now, if if we don't continue to, to push the envelope, we're going to get overtaken um, because you've got maybe a really strong football culture in those countries. You've now got the facilities. You've now got the coaches. You're now seeing the finances come into the game there. So there's more willingness and more intent from people to get involved on the, on the women's side in particular. And, 
the standards are jumping so quickly. And, and I read the other day, actually, I think uh, Barcelona just brought their first ever wave of under nines in to La Masia Academy. Oh, wow. So 15 years from now, you've got a group of Spanish girls that have been playing at Barcelona under their philosophy. They're going to be unbelievable groups of talent. And I just think we we can't take that for granted that we we have lots of players playing and they go to NCAA and we think that's going to be enough because it's not enough. We need people playing professional football. We need our own professional league and we need to not only increase the player pool, but increase the quality in that player pool because the rest of the world is doing it. So much of it's on money because, I mean, the CPL is going to lose money for probably up to 10 years. And you need people that are philanthropic and want to put money in it. I just don't know that there's that enough people. It always seems there's a big wave of excitement at the end of the Olympics when there's a medal won. Not so much the World Cup because Canada didn't win it or get to the semis in the last few of them. But it dies down again. So it needs the media to keep talking about it. Yeah. It needs to... Like the NWSL, you can't even watch it here unless I think I you've got Twitch or Paramount Plus yeah, or some weird, right. weird yeah. thing. So like in England, BBC, uh, even BBC Scotland now are yeah. doing a, a, a women's Scottish uh, roundup show. In Glasgow, it was always Glasgow City, then Glasgow Celtic. So, oh, we all invest in that. And now Glasgow Rangers are like, oh, we're going to invest in That's that. That's right. So it, it needs investment. I just don't know where it comes from. And as Christine said afterwards, if it doesn't come now, when's it going to come? I, I think that's the reality of it. You know, striking why the hunt's hot, you know, it's it, now's the time, as I said, to ask difficult questions, to put uh, plans in place because we, you know, even on this, it, it shouldn't be a reflection to be complacent, to say, we've just won a gold medal. We're doing a great job yeah. um, because it won't be enough. It might be enough in the short term, two, three, four years. You 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 keep the the interest going. You're up at the 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 business end of tournaments. It's great, fantastic. But it's it's the ten, the twenty, the thirty year plan that I think we could get caught out with if we're not careful. And you're right. It's it is money. Um, it is people just with that burning ambition to 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 keep this country at the the top end of the female. Uh, game and you know the interest is always there like you said in 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 tournaments major tournaments especially when they do it well but we need that to be more consistent so absolutely I couldn't agree more if it's not going to happen now when does it happen it's not going to happen in 10 years time if there's a bad showing in a tournament you're out of the group stage and it's doom and gloom no one's going to probably invest in if they did it's too late Mm -hmm. you know now's the time to, to do it so hopefully um you know we can we can sort of help push that in the in the grassroots game and in the the sort of the young uh, elite environments and and then get more players playing in top environments because that's what's needed to happen i i can't believe we've gone backwards here since i moved here because there was the white caps team yep. pro and there was ottawa pro team and now you've got nothing and it's like right. how, how do you host a world cup and then everything that was meant to come out of that and i know there's been some good things come out of it and like that inspired a lot of girls is going to have been women on this team. That yeah, were, absolutely. Like, Julia Grosso, I mean, yeah. she must have been, what, 12 or something yeah. when the, the World Cup was here. So this will inspire a whole new generation as well. But they have to have somewhere to play. Otherwise, it, it's pointless. Yeah. 
just to, to round off our chat, let, I want to talk about the other, well, one of the other big things that, that you're involved with, which is FC Tigers. Yep. Which regular listeners will know we've been doing some commentary for some of their recent games. So you, you've got involved with that. You're the head coach. You obviously weren't the head coach for the, the summer because you were at, at the Olympics, but you're going to be back at the helm. The team's moving into the, the Fraser Valley Soccer League. They're going to be taking on Whitecaps on a yeah. regular basis, the under-19s. How, how excited are you for this team? Because from the games that I've seen, there's a lot of really good young talent there. Yeah, very much so. I, I have to say, you know, taking the group in the VMSL last year, um, you know, we had to work quite hard at pre-season and obviously through my own connections of getting some guys previously with the Whitecaps, you know, those sort of players in the uh, the in-between, you know, not not quite a pro, not sure if they want to do college, university. Um, and it got to a really, really good level. Like, you know, after the first couple of games of VMSL, like the, the group got up to a really strong kind of USL2 standard. Oh, yeah, um, you were unbeaten. Yeah, we, we were we were flying, yeah. um, you know, not, uh, you know, what it's like in football, not showing up with the, with the arrogance, but just complete confidence. Like we knew what we was doing. We was well oiled. We had talent. Um, we ticked all the boxes in terms of, you know, we had physical power. We had pace. We have athleticism. We had the tenacity in there. We had everything that a group needs. And it was just a shame that obviously COVID put, put an end to all that. So, um, you know, I think it would have been exciting times for the group last year. If, you know, if we could have got over to play Pacific, uh, I think yeah. we would have given them a real game for, you know, 45, 60 minutes until obviously the fitness side of things came in. Um, but we never got a chance to do that. So it's almost a bit of a reset for for this year. Obviously a switch of divisions. Um, the player pool is, is still there. What, what we'll lose a little bit is obviously some of the boys now would have gone off to university as well because um, some of them due to COVID weren't able to go to the States or or go complete their sort of in-person studies. So it'll be a little bit different, but there's still a very, very strong core that comes back from that group. And uh, yeah, like again, just talking about intensity, um, we created an environment that was was not your average VMSL, Fraser Valley League standard and and you know, commitment. So uh, looking forward to that again. I know the boys are, are really hungry. They've done, they've done brilliant with Colin and Colin's really enjoyed working over the summer. So uh, like they don't want to stop. They want to keep going and just roll into this next one. But I think they'll have a little break and and then we'll kind of, you know, resume pre-season. But I'm, I'm excited to take that group again. I was disappointed that the VMSL thing it was just the group games I wanted to see you play BB5 because yeah. they were banging the goals in as well I wanted to see you play UBC because yeah. like those were the matchups I was so looking Absolutely. forward to and it, ne- <laughs> it never happened and of course that might have to wait now till the Provincial Cup for playing BB5 the, in local soccer for anyone that doesn't know the the big thing is Fraser Valley no team from there has won the Provincial Cup can yeah. Tigers be that first team? That's looking I, way I, ahead. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think if we get the group back to um, where we were, uh, and obviously that's you know that's part of my responsibility, it's part of the players' responsibility to to recreate that environment. Um, I have no doubts that they can do that. I mean, we was equally we was excited to play BB Five and UBC. Like that was the that was the two games we really wanted to yeah. play, 
uh, and we were so close to playing them uh, before it all it all got cancelled. But uh, yeah, I, look, I've I've played in the VMSL and the Fraser Valley League. Um, I've seen it, and you know, in previous years, that the strength in depth was never in the Fraser Valley League. And so, what was always the challenge is even the top two or three teams in there. You know, you only really played against that top three or four teams, and then the time you you got the crossover of VMSL they'd been used to playing seven and eight teams that were, were, were good standards. So there was that, there was that little bit of a, an adjustment, but in a knockout situation, there's not a lot of time to adjust. You've got to adjust in the game. Um, so I think the challenge for us on our side, first and foremost, is just to look after ourselves, make sure our own environment is competitive and intense as it was last year. You know, we, we try and beat what's, what's put in front of us, uh, whatever that is. Obviously, I think the carrot of the Whitecaps games will, will yeah. be great. I'm looking forward to them. because, And that's great for them too, because they'll have an abundance of talent. They'll also have the fitness of being full-time professionals. But there is a difference with, you know, boys football and men's football. And 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 they'll, they would have noticed that even on the weekends. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to adjust to as a young lad playing against men. And yeah, I think got it'll a be, bit physical in yeah, game, and that's the, the, but that's yeah. the way it is. And I, and I remember even myself playing when when the old um, residency program came into the VMSL one year, and yeah. it, it's the same thing. Look, we we know they're top players, and we know they they want to play the, the pretty football. Uh, and I've been on that side of the fence as well. Um, but where you can sort of get the equilibrium is you know making it a physical match playing against men and uh and it's great it's great for everybody it's great for us to play against you know agile fit players it's it's great for them to play against adults and, and a lot of our guys have been around we've got a few players that have played top university oh, yeah, like professional and Eric and... absolutely so uh looking forward to those matchups and then and then yeah we'll just see from there you know um hopefully we have a successful season but there's nobody that I would be fearful of playing especially if we get anywhere near the level that we was last year yeah I, yourself and the Whitecaps are going to have the targets on your back as well so that's yeah. everyone's going to raise their game with that but I'm looking forward to, to that season just before we, we wrap up it's obviously been a, a whirlwind the the last six weeks and you're you're back now all your other stuff is starting right away have you had time to kind of just settle at home and realise that you're home or have you not even had time to gather any thoughts? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I got in, uh, it was Saturday evening here and, you know, the, the family was here to, to greet on my end and jet, I had some heavy jet lag for a couple of nights. So <laughs> I was in, I was just in a daze probably until Tuesday. Um, and then obviously I'd, I'd got some loose stuff ready for Capilano. So I just had to stay, look, I'll, I'll come in, but just kind of leave it with the staff there of just say, look, just get this week going for me. Um, just let me breathe a little bit. But honestly, I mean, you know, we've had some bits this week and then it's it's into it Monday. And then, you know, week by week, each one will ramp up, you know. So Capilano's full time. Uh, then the Tigers will start. Then the BCSPL. Then end of August is the club world really resuming. So, yeah, it, it's... It's going to be crash bang wallet, but you know, at the end of the day, with COVID last year, there was significant chunks that I wasn't doing what I love doing. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain about uh, working too much in football because there's no other place I'd rather be. That's very true. Well, thank you so much for your your time today, Adam. It was a pleasure ch- chatting to you and catching up again. Congratulations again on the gold medal, and I'm sure we'll we'll chat soon.
Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Canadian women's national team gold medal winning assistant coach Adam Day. So some really good insight as to what it was like to be with the women's team over at the Olympics, what life was like in the village, the ins and outs of the games and everything like that. And I I know some people might be listening to that and saying, oh, yep, typical Michael speaking to one of the male members that's involved in the squad. Why don't you speak to one of the women's coaches? Why don't you speak to one of the players? I'll tell you now, I would absolutely love to. But Canada soccer, being Canada soccer, we don't get those kind of access to to the women's national team players. The only ones that really get in-depth interviews with them are the Canadian press, the kind of press agencies, the, the big broadcast partners like One Soccer. I would love to sit and have an in-depth chat with one of the, the players on the team, with Bev Priestman, and I'm sure you'd really enjoy listening to that as well. So one of the things we're talking about with Adam there is what we were talking about on last week's show. Just what is the future of the domestic game on the women's side here in Canada? Can we get an NWSL team? Can we get two? Can there be a a pro league set up in in Canada? Canada Canada-wide, that's exactly what we need. And as Adam said there, I mean, this is the time to do it. And it's all about investment. We've seen the growth in other countries from it. So I I put that question out on last week's show and on Twitter as well, just looking for for people's suggestions as to, to whether they think it's going to be likely or not. I've got to say, not a lot of responses. So maybe that in itself is telling as to to how people are are viewing club soccer here in this country. I'll read you uh, some of the responses that we did get, though. C.D. Pryor says, I can see the money magically appearing if, when, the Canadian men's national team not only make it to a World Cup, but are able to win a few games. The success of the women alone won't be enough to drive investment. More stadiums might help, too. Definitely agree that we we need some more stadiums, some better playing facilities, and also, uh, as I'm talked about there and some of the the women talked about in their media rounds you need to see these games on tv you need to have a place to see the the female players play in their club soccer right now as we mentioned there you can't even watch the nwsl in canada without going to some weird lengths or finding it on twitch or something like that angus walker said to me the answer with grassroots development men or women is price have you ever given something away in craigslist you get no response, or those that do answer don't turn up to take it. If you charge five bucks, it's gone. I see VMSL games on side turfs while my son often plays under 15 matches at Percy Perry. If they closed the gate and charged five bucks and put the VMSL side there, people would go. Especially if it's always X o'clock on an X day. It's not about the five dollars, it's about creating a product. Free and random is not a product. What do you think about that? Personally, I kind of look at it the other way. We talked last week, the the Whitecaps under-23 match against FC Tigers. There was a good six or 800 at Swan Guard for that. It was free admission. Would you have got that if you were even charging a token $5? 
I genuinely don't think so. And the last tweet we'll read for you, from Ryan Burns. He said, for me, the best and only viable beginning is three NWSL teams associated with the three Canadian MLS franchises. See if they are supported and viable as a benchmark for potential pro-growth in Canada. Otherwise, I don't believe the dollars or interest is there yet, and maybe for some time yet. And sadly, I have to agree with Ryan on that. I think the way forward is, as Adam talked about there, how they've done it in England. The way forward would appear to be to build it into the infrastructure of existing clubs. Whether that's Whitecaps, TFC, Montreal, all three would be ideal. But that certainly seems to be the way forward. It's the way that a number of clubs have certainly grown down in the US. You've got Portland with the Timbers and the Thorns. You've got Houston Dash. It seems to be the initial way forward. And hopefully one of these clubs, if not more, will step up. Nick Bonas, the CSA president, has talked about trying to get investors in. Let's hope they can. Still looking for your views on this. We'll maybe bring out an extra podcast, if not next week, maybe the week after, with some audio as well from Christine Sinclair and Bev Priestman around that. But that is nearly it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. But we can't go without bringing you this week's Wavelength. So for this week, we're going back to 2014 and an Irish band that we've played a couple of times in recent months on the show, My Brother Woody. This is another song from their football album, Random Football Musings Set to Music. This is a a song that is based on a, a phrase that was conjured up on the Sky Sports TV show Soccer AM, Bounce Back Ability. And it's all about, you get knocked down, you get back up again, you get back on the pitch and you get the job done. This is a song by that very name, My Brother Woody, Bounce Back Ability. Manager laments availability Constant tinkering, team lack stability a complete liability Once known for his unflappability Defense lacks reliability No one taking responsibility Thank you. 
should be a possibility What we need is Bounce back ability Bounce back ability Bounce back ability My brother Woody there, bounce back ability. And we'll have more from them in the future coming weeks and months because there's some cracking songs in that album. 2014's Random Football Musings, set to music. You can find that on Bandcamp, on YouTube, on Deezer, everywhere that you want to find your good music. But that is it for this week's show. So, Naveed, where can folk find you online and anything you've learned from this week's show? Yeah, well, they can find me on nmachinchi on Twitter. And one thing that I learned is from Lucas Cavallini's injury is you'd better not do a bicycle kick after you hurt yourself. No. <laughs> That's that, sure. Whenever we get to speak to him again, that's yeah. got to be one of the first questions. 100%. What made you think that that was a good idea? It shows commitment to winning. True. Uh, true. I think the commentator, I think it was Blake Price, had said, oh, the, the, he can't turn down a bicycle kick. Sometimes <laughs> you kind of have to. Yeah. Steve, what about you? Where can folk find you online? Did you learn anything this week? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Speed, and I learned that be careful about making nicknames for players and sound it out before you do. Yes. If, if, you, very, listen, very wise. if, if this was a live show, you would have heard it. Yes. And the outtake show will we'll have that. And Zach... Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. And uh, what I learned this week is, uh, you know, the Whitecaps are on an unbeaten streak and we're on a Naveed streak. So it's good. To, I'm enjoying having Naveed join us. Four, four is be- always better than three. Yeah, always good Fish. to have a, an ex-Whitecaps player. Uh, to be honest, if we could get Eric Castley, we'd be kicking oh. Naveed to the, the yeah. curb. But, <laughs> but we'll take him while we've got him. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a subscribe, a like, turn on notifications on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. And what I've learned this week, primarily yesterday and tonight doing the show, is there's bits of my body that I didn't know could sweat. And I am sadly discovering that just now. So we're going to wrap up now. I'm going to get all my clothes ripped off. Not because my wife's lying down in front of me here, but because I'm very hot and I'm going to get the air conditioning on. But we will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the AC and the VWFC. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. 
the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.